Noddy, the little man with the red and yellow car. Noddy, his tinkling bell means he's the happiest little fellow in all Toyland. There's Biggie's and Tubby and Mr. Plot and all his special friends. It's sixpence an adventure, then he'll take you home again. Noddy, Noddy. From the creators of Cars, Up, and Toy Story 3 comes a new Pixar classic for the entire family. Star race car Lightning McQueen, played by Owen Wilson, and incomparable tow truck Mater, played by Larry the Cable Guy, take their friendship to exciting new places when they head overseas to compete in the first ever World Grand Prix to determine the world's fastest car. But the road to the championship is filled with plenty of potholes, detours, and hilarious surprises when Mater gets caught up in the intriguing adventure of his own international espionage. <laughs> Experience all the fast-paced fun with an all-scar cast. Plus, enjoy the hilarious, never-before-seen short film, Air Mater. It's pedal-to-the-metal excitement from start to finish. Woo! Well, I'm hyped. Hi there, and welcome to uh, what seems to be a very exciting episode of Rebel Chums. What is hype may never die. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) If you didn't catch the blurb there, we're watching Cars 2. Uh, I thought we were watching Finding Dory from that synopsis. Larry the Cable Guy. Larry the Cable Guy. Is that a person? Yeah, yeah, Larry the Cable Guy. Is the Cable Guy his surname? (laughs) Apparently so. Apparently so. Um, yeah, we're watching Kaz too. Um, have you guys ever seen this before? Yeah. No. no. There's one yes and two no's. Okay, well me and Rob have seen it. Rob, what's your experience with this film? Um, and I what saw... do you think of it based on the time you saw it? I think I saw this back in 2012. I don't think you've watched it more than once, have you? I don't think anyone chooses no, to watch um, this film more than and once. And I saw it because... I Well, it was before I really knew how to judge films. And I still didn't like it. So, me too. It doesn't really bode well for this, for like for the next three hours of my life, essentially. Oh dear. This was the last film that I saw with my ex-boyfriend. I like to think it was the reason I broke up with him because it made me feel that not much could be worse than Cars Two, except for the relationship I was currently in. <laughs> when you realise you were trying to concentrate on the film, it was like uh, somebody's somebody's got to give. Uh, well, you've heard his voice. Oh yes, we have a guest with us. Sorry, Ed, you're just too much part of the family for me to remember to introduce you. We keep forgetting. Right. We did this like we did this with um, my mom for Toy Story three and Joe as well. We just kind of forgot to introduce them. Yeah, and yeah, so much a part of the furniture. <laughs> Hello, Ed. Welcome again to our show. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, uh, yeah, again after, after the thrilling experience that was the original Cars, um, you're back yeah. for the Cars too. What made you want to come back for the sequel? Um, we made I, it. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't recall. Yeah, no one chooses to watch a Cars film. I think I can sum up why he wanted to watch this one in two words International Espionage! <laughs> well, except for that, of course. I came, okay, I came for the company, not necessarily for the film. Because I wouldn't be just sitting oh, there watching Cars 2 on my own, to be honest, on my own Steam. Well, so you've never seen it before. That's what I do, you know. 
Yeah, that's it's true. Incredible film. Open mind. I'm going to keep an open mind because I was disappointed when we watched Cars because I felt honestly it wasn't quite as good as I, I thought it was. Not that I thought it was amazing, but yeah, I don't think it was mm, mediocre, <laughs> which it kind of was. Um, but yeah, uh, I've not really got much more to say other than I'm going to try and keep an open mind. Um, I have no experience with this film. It was a period where I kind of I wasn't watching Pixar films, even the good ones, until they came out later on different media so mm. Andy, Andy are you excited to see the dam- dynamic duo of Owen Wilson and Larry the Cable Guy once again <laughs> always I couldn't sleep last night with excitement I thought I've seen Owen Wilson and I've seen Larry the Cable Guy but together mm. again can that lightning <laughs> strike twice How surely not <laughs> surely <laughs> life isn't that great as to allow that to happen twice no seriously I, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to see it in the sense that like I love watching bad movies, and I've heard that this is quite bad, so I'm looking forward to it in that sense. But I hope it's not, like, bad because of the absence of anything, and I hope that it's bad because it's, like, you know, the room type of bad. No, it's not. It's just, like, as someone who has seen this film, it's just incredibly boring. Oh. That's the sad thing. It's one of those well-made bad films. That's oh, like a, that's the worst. From what I gather, and that's the thing, it's like, you want your, you want your bad film to be... Well-intentioned, but over-ambitious and made by incompetence, and I don't think that is the case here, unfortunately. Yeah, there's the type of bad film that's like... As passionate uh, as they are. It's like The Room, yeah. or Catwoman, or something like that. <laughs> and then you <laughs> get a film that's bad. <laughs> we would never just die. Oh, oh, but then you get a film that's bad, like... Competent bad, like... Red, or Thor The Dark World. Well, Red isn't bad, oh, it's just yeah. so mediocre yeah. that it's bad. Yeah. It's yeah. like, could you make this anymore? Attack on the, of the Clones! Or a, no, that's bad. That is bad. That's, <laughs> that's a spectacle. Are, and it's bad. That, no, that's not... Again, that's not spectacle bad. That's the Greatest Showman! Yeah. Can't comment. <laughs> neither can I. And most critics it. agree that it's okay. You're just the odd one out there, Rob. That's fine. You just hate what that film represents. And I hate what Curse 2 represents. And that is bad films. I mean, I, 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 I don't have any comment to say until I've seen it, because this is, like, not only one of the... Well, apart from Cars 3, it's the only Pixar film that I haven't seen. And it's also, like, I know so little about it, other than that Michael Caine is in it, and that there is espionage, which Michael I now would have known anyway. Oh, sorry for spoilers. Apparently Michael oh. Caine is in it. Oh, yeah. My, my was... interest has just slightly dipped off the floor. I'm sure he did it for the, pas- <laughs> for the passion of the role, rather than the money that was starting to dry up from Batman. I'm sure that's exactly... Not why he did it at all. He plays yeah. a stereotypical British spy character. This is, um, if you've because never seen Cars before, mm. this, is a, this is a kid's film doing James Bond, but they are Cars. He's a car whose voice is breaking in um, every single word. So should we drive into the uh, <laughs> into Drive the into the experience. I must say, before we start watching this film, this is the first time that I've actually not been looking forward to watching a Pixar film since we started doing mm. this. Like, the original Cars, I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's not bad. Yeah. And I was curious to see how well it held up. This one, I know, I just know it's bad, and I knew it was bad the first time I watched it, which was when I was, what, 16? So, like you, I didn't have that great yeah. taste in films, but I still knew it was bad. So it's got to be pretty rubbish. Mm. I'm going to really try. I'm going to really try, because I have a feeling there's going to be a surplus of, of, of criticisms. We'll find out. Let's dive in. From the creators of Finding Nemo, Wally, Up, and the smash hit of the summer, Toy Story 3, comes an all-new adventure of international proportions. 
Next summer, they're not only racing across the world, they're racing to save the world. Finn McMissile, British Intelligence. So mighty, average intelligence. Welcome to Tokyo International Airport. Listen, th this isn't Radiator Springs. These Americans are clearly master spies. Oh, you've got to be joking. Go, McQueen! Informator. I'm on approach. Roger that. There he is. He's getting away! Hang on. <laughs> Cars 2. Mater? I think we bit off more than we could chew. <laughs> so we have returned after just watching Cars. Two. And I, Cars, Cars two. 2. We've done it twice. And I can sum it up with this. <laughs> <laughs> Well done. That, that trombone succinctly tells you all of my feelings for Cars 2. Yeah, should you score this and finish? No. Yeah. Right. Um, usually, I suppose it would say, we would go around and we would all do our favourite character. Um, Sorry, but this time, there were so many to choose from. Just, just for funsies, let's switch it up a bit, because everyone knows that we're not going to enjoy this film. Or say we enjoyed this. Well, story. let's just all say Mater and then go on let's, to the next no, thing. Let's all say who our worst character was. Oh. Um, and mine is going to be Lightning McQueen because he was he was the main character in the first one. They did a switcheroo and Mater became the main character for the second one instead. Yeah. And so Lightning McQueen gets about five lines in this whole film. All of them are delivered with the passion of a dying snail. That can I be... can I do my least favorite character, just like last time? It's the well, mm -hmm, I'm about to be a racial stereotype for one scene. That character, that woman, <laughs> oh, the one right at the very end. <laughs> yeah, when when the creators realize they haven't had a black character. Uh, well, it's cars, so obviously yeah. race isn't the thing. So they have to make sure that there is a black character in the film by hamming up a black voice. Just have her come in, in, in as the film. loudest, most extravagant person in it. In Just a film that is not short on crude cultural stereotypes, that one still stands out, I think. Walking yeah. in, basically going, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, you oh, did! That's what I said, oh no, you did! She's probably she's doing like the Z clicks all the time, yeah. isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> I think Just my... the different locks on the doors. <laughs> Yeah. See, they missed a trick there. They really wanted to go for it. I think my least favourite character is probably Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. Because. Why? Because it explains everything about what this film actually is, which is just. Let's see who's the fastest car in the world! And, like. But that's let's not what see, the film's about, let, Let's see who the fuck we can get in. So, like, you know how, like, literally before this film, we were saying, like, how The Simpsons went from being what it was in the golden era to who's on the Simpsons this week and mm. is it Lady Gaga or Ricky Gervais or Hugh Laurie and next week on the Simpsons yeah we have this person and it becomes more about the celebrity making their appearance on the Simpsons than it is about the actual episode and Lewis Hamilton being in this is kind of like who's a fast race car driver person Lewis Hamilton let's get him in 
Because why the fuck not? Is he any good at voice acting? Don't care. It's Lewis Hamilton. It's, it's a joke. They should have owned that and paid all the money they could possibly find to get the actual queen in it for the end. Yes, yeah, Hamilton should have got the queen. Like, famous for Formula One racing. And they have Formula One cars in there. And they don't make him a Formula One car. But he's car. not a Formula One car. Yeah. How weird is that? At some point, Lewis Hamilton they... becomes one with his car and the two fuse. Yeah. <laughs> And the Hence is, the car is black. And yeah, no, but they make him a black car. It's like <laughs> maybe that was his request. Maybe it was like, what maybe. colour would you like? Yeah, your, like what's his name in the lightsaber? Yeah, Mace Windu, Samuel Jackson. And now that's yeah. a very odd example because it's just like, like, I don't want to be paid. I just want to make it a black car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh... Ed, who is your least favourite? The same as my favourite, because I was thinking. It's like the character, that is Mater's movie, right? Yeah. Mater is the focal point. If there is anything at all that could be described as a focus in that film, it's Mater. Now, Mater goes through a lot and develops not at all. Mm. Uh, He is not funny, and they really, really, really try. And in some scenes, like the lavatory scene, which just doesn't stop... Uh, and he just kind of repeats the same thing again, hoping to have a bit of a probably like a Stuart Lee catharsis where you force yourself to laugh and put a laugh. You make him do jokes from the previous film. Exactly. But bigger. On it's, a couple of occasions, actually, yeah. But he seems to have become, you know, more incompetent than the last time and more annoying and more random just because the plot dictates it. He bumbles his way through the film. Um, he is... Oh, I don't know. I, he, he just strikes me as a cynical character. It's like, oh, this is a one that the kids are going to find funny. He's a bit wacky. Oh, totally. Like, this is entirely a kid's film. And the creators of the first film have gone, we need to make a sequel. Let's find the funniest, most kid-appealing character there is mm-hmm. and make them the focal point for the next one. And he's not even a character, though. He's a gimmick. He, he, he's basically a gimmick with lots of lines. Mm. He has the accent and he's a bit silly, so but he'll get into crazy situations. That can be true, because according to Michael Caine, he is the smartest, most honest person he's ever met. Well, I think it was trying... It couldn't decide, once again, like the first one, what the theme was. And so, I don't want to get too far into this, but it's like, you know, being true to yourself, you get the impression that that was probably a theme that got lost in the writing process. But, I mean, that's just nothing, though. That's such a kind of basic... But it's all like that. It's all hackneyed. Yeah. The whole film was, was hackneyed. You kind of... It's just... They, they didn't care. But I think I'm going too far into this. I mean, otherwise this is going to be ridiculous to show. So, uh, okay. Well, Next. I guess... The first kind of... Questions oh. you have in, like... I guess, like, the first 15 minutes... Are we really going to try and get through this plot? Because... Oh, okay. Go on, go yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. On. Well, this, this is one of the main problems. Because... It opens, A, with a character that we've never met before, so we don't care. Master Wayne. Michael Kai. In a place we've never been, with a plotline that has less than nothing to do with the first film, and then all of a sudden, it, there's a huge change of pace, mm. and we go back to the main story, but we don't spend... We spend little to no time in Radiator Springs. Mm. And then the way that the protagonist of the first film and the person you assume is the protagonist of the second film is introduced, Lightning McQueen, mm-hmm. as you were saying, Andy, mm-hmm. is kind of behind three or four other characters yeah. in the back of the shot. So then you're thinking, who's the main character? And like, I don't want to drag up the Plinkett reviews of 
um, The Phantom Menace, but one of the big arguments that, and it's a really simple argument, I mean, that's what's so good about the Blinkit reviews, that they really, they, you know, they use really simple arguments to deconstruct everything that was just bad watch, about Watch Red Letter yeah. Media, they're great. That yeah, means, exactly. Just say Red that, Letter Media, just yeah, subscribe, yeah. they're but great. One of the, the big reviews. problems that they bring up, and it's even, it's just in the first video, I think, where they mm. say that one of the big problems with The Phantom Menace is the fact that there is no protagonist. There's no main character. Because you think, oh, maybe it's Obi-Wan. But no, because you have Qui-Gon Jinn right next to him the whole time. And then you think maybe it's Anakin, but he doesn't really come into it until the first half an hour, 40 minutes is over. So because you have nobody to really root for, there's no central Luke Skywalker in the middle of this. There's no... It, it, it just it makes it hard. And I think you could apply it to this too, where because there are just so many plot lines and just so many characters or new characters being introduced all the time and all none the of time. them are fleshed out at all and chromed out I don't know kitted out Get, hey oh, I was too slow but oddly you end up you, you realise that you've ended up half an hour into the film and you've lost control of trying to work out what's happening and nothing ever feels like it's going to come together like the two plot lines seem so disparate and yet it's basically just two films. I mean, you're talking about this Collision of Worlds song at the end of the film. It's, it's literally just two ideas for two separate films running alongside oh, each other. I think it's more meta than we realise. I would Collision say oh, well, in every way. There's like, there's just no consistency of theme. There's not even a consistency of like, who is this for? Because like most of the time, it's like a really kind of surface level, superficial, kiddie film. But then a lot of the time they're also like using concepts like that car is a lemon and they're talking about alternative fuel and like the minutiae. Real of, guns. The minutiae of fuel markets and real guns and real celebrities who kids won't immediately recognise. It's like, who is this for? And at one point there's an outrageously adult joke in there, which I'm not even going to repeat because it's like... Wait, what? Which one? Uh, you missed it because you went the loo. When um, there, there which is where Mater was when he heard this. Uh, when he said there this, was a car that it was something like once it fills up, it kind of shoots, and she goes and he goes. <laughs> uh, when you make her giggle, she'll squirt on you, which is just like whoa. That's like an eighteen film that would have <laughs> that kind of joke. The only the, adult thing in the film. It just doesn't know who it's for. In, doesn't in know what letter, it is. In the letter that Mater writes to um, Lightning McQueen, is it implied that he accidentally bought a porn film? Yes. Yes, that's the joke. Yeah. Yes. No, I think. Oh, I didn't get that. No, no, no. I think it's supposed to be he bought a film, but he thought he was just previewing it. I don't like. No, know, because like, it's a, it's an old trope. It's in a lot of films that like, oh, I didn't realize that was going to show up on the bill. But, like it comes up in a lot of things. It always means they've watched. It's like, oh, yeah. so he's literally pulling himself. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, after he's already been towing the sex himself, past yeah. to the lady purple spy, and obviously she's a lady because she's purple. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That problem again. Uh, the, the, which shade of pink can we go for this time? <laughs> a slightly darker one. <laughs> We've run out of pink. Quick, let's use pastels. Did a woman, <laughs> aside from in the voice booths at the end, come within two hundred miles of this film before the final stages? No. It doesn't feel like it. No, I. Uh, oh, well, 
I just found it so hard to believe that people in Pixar were making this film and thought it was a good film. And I then they did. This is the company that makes films like Toy Story. Oh, they didn't give a shit. You Wally can so tell that they just did not care. It was a foregone conclusion. I think the higher-ups were putting the pressure on. I don't know how much it was to do with Disney. Well, this I think um, this is a film that came out relatively recently after Disney bought Pixar, and mm. it's like the first one that really shows Disney's influence. And this made and a lot of money. That's well. the thing, is that with, with the unlimited money that Disney brings and the unlimited kind of idea machine that Disney brings when you see like an original Pixar film like like Cars but also like or, or like Wally or Toy Story or Incredibles or whatever it immediately sets off a million ideas of like oh I'd love to see more of this character I'd love to see more of that I'd love to see a film about that not all of those ideas are actually good it's like mm. if, if you were to say like uh, because Mater suddenly gets made the main character in this one despite the fact he's the comedy sidekick in the last one it's like imagine a Toy Story film with Rex as the main character like it sounds funny, but you that wouldn't work really. Even imagine Ed, imagine if Incredibles yeah. two had made Edna the main character. Like these characters are sidekicks for a reason. They serve different functions than the protagonist. It's yeah, not a, a good short, idea. Make a short of them, but it won't just because a character that. is popular doesn't mean you should give us so much more of them. Exactly. It's just, and, and I think less that is, is Disney, more. That is the Disney influence coming to it because Disney has no unless concept it was a spin-off, like some sort of spin-off film. Yeah, in which case they could experiment and try and yeah. you know. But this just but it's spins not, it's off just, the road. This is the first sequel <laughs> that Pixar have done since Toy Story Two. Who looks at the franchise of Pixar films, like with incredible films like Finding Nemo and Monsters Inc., which do now have sequels, and thinks, "I know, I'm going to do a sequel for Cars, the worst film we've done so far." The answer is Walmart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The people who want money. It's basically that simple. But the thing is, it's not the characters that are selling. It's not the characters that people are seeing more of. It is the cars yeah. for the kids that keep selling. Oh, yes. And I know that my, nephews, that seller, my nephews weren't even alive when this film came out. And it's still all Cars this and Cars that. Well, Cars 3's probably had a bit of an influence. Yeah, but even before Cars 3. You can tell that they've properly ramped up the, the action and race sequences in this. You can tell that they've kind of like properly ramped up how often this happens because you have... Three big races, two big chase scenes, that's at least 20 minutes of the film, maybe half an hour. Mm. Like, you know, and I don't feel like the action ever stopped, really. No, in the, the film, that's one of the problems. The film yeah. never stops. And you were saying, uh, Ed, what, I think it was towards the beginning where you were saying, who knew that a fast pace could feel so slow? Because so much happens it's that you just get bombarded yeah. with stuff. And there's... It's a fatigued. new face, and there's a new colour, and there's like a new city to go to, and they never show them travelling, yeah, they're they, always just there, 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 They there. start off in America, and then they go to Tokyo, and then they go to Paris. And, and then, then Italy, Italy, and then the UK. And then they go to London. That's five locations in a 90-minute film, which works out as about, what, 15, 20 minutes per location? And yeah. all of them are fleshed out no. about as much as you would imagine. I keep imagining like that this must have had the most... Even in the form that it takes, which is hardly a tight edit, hardly a you know a nicely finished edit, but it must have had the most brutal cut, cut yeah. because yeah, we know, know it's this is all the stuff that's in the film. Imagine all the stuff that, like they throw so much stuff at this film, and to cram it all into the ninety ninety five minutes that they do, which they don't really manage to cram it all in. It's all a mess. It's a little to bit cram it all in, like every single moment of pause, every single tiny thing that wasn't adding all of the new stuff. Must have been caught. The must. It's just like 
there are three or four different films that are editable out of this that could have made completely separate films that would have been fine, but they just put everything in it, absolutely everything. But it's not. And I I, th- I think the point where I just like I I just stopped even trying to engage with this was when Prince William got a line as a car talking to Queen Elizabeth about let's move. I just think for fuck's sake. Can we just, like, settle with what we've got and stop throwing in new characters in the climax of the film? Oh, we got to meet some of the... one of the villains' family, for some reason. That's why, another why problem. Is that you bring in this up. That's another problem where you can't really work out who the protagonist is. I mean, we've kind of settled on May to it because of Lightning McQueen's role in the whole franchise. You're you basically overshadowed May at the same but time. Who, who is the real villain? Who yeah, is I would it? say it's... Axelrod, Samuel. Well, Axelrod. it's it's supposed to but be. But is it the guy with the the German monocle guy who's yeah. obviously a stereotype? He's introduced as a villain at the beginning. Yeah. yeah, but Axelrod is the guy whose planet is. He is the big bad. Yeah, he's, but that's only re- that's door. only revealed at the end when basically all of the tension for the film has fizzled out. Yeah, that's the Scooby Doo pull the mask off moment, isn't it? At the end. Yeah. Yeah. But let's be honest, there is no tension at all with the whole Francesco. Uh, Oh, him? The yeah, and him as well. And I, mean, I mean, that's just so perfunctory that it yeah. didn't even land at all. Like, he's not a villain to me. Mm. He's more of the, um, what's his name? Could you get, could you get the uh, Chick Hicks, is it, from the first film? Oh, right, yeah. Chuck. Oh, yeah, but he had even more The, the, the green car with the moustache and, yeah. The guy with the monocle, though, <laughs> was just so obviously evil that I thought, well, there's obviously a man behind the man there. So I never really engaged with him either. But then they left it so late in the film to do the villain reveal. And then as soon as he's revealed, it's carted away. Yeah, so it's it's just pointless in being there. There's never any substance. Massive logical fallacy. The whole thing hinges on this axle rod not being an electrical engine so that he can make um, oil seem... Uh, new new forms of fuel seem really bad so that people will buy oil because he's got loads of shares in oil and owns an oil company. Um, But this whole all hinges on him being an electric car, disguising himself as an electric car, um, when in all, when in actual fact he's got a combustion engine. But combustion engines make noise and electric engines don't because there's no such thing as an electrical engine. It's not an engine, it's a battery. It doesn't make any noise. How does no one realise that this guy is making combustion engine noises the whole time? Well, when he's trying to pass as an electrical car! <laughs> if I may Are you okay, dude? Okay? If I just made a spring, radiate a spring on from that point... A lot of it was, as I say, there is coincidence in films. I can usually take that with a pinch of salt. People can say, oh, that's improbable. I'm like, yeah, is it impossible? No, well, fine. But the way that Mater gets drawn into this spy world is not a coincidence. It it relies on everybody being so stupid, always coming to the wrong conclusion. Some of the worst intelligence work imaginable. I'm not... You know, it's not. Yeah, there's supposed to be two like world class spies, and there's su- such idiots who don't. He's American. That. That's enough. Following. You know yeah, like, you just even see his face. He's like, was like, oh, that an American guard? That'll be the back, one. Back when we watched *The Bug's Life*, we criticised how the misunderstanding happens mm. with uh, Flick as a talent scout. We we criticised how everybody just falls for that, and there's a misunderstanding. But it's okay because within five minutes, everybody realises there's been a misunderstanding. With this, it's like the whole film that nobody realises has been... Well, they, they all... Well, Mater realises, but then he says at the end, I've been trying to tell you the whole time. No, he hasn't. That's just a lie. No, maybe that was cut out. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> Michael Caine's character, things. bloody hell, for some kind of super spy, he's not mm. particularly observant. He's not very perceptive, is he? No. 
I mean, it's like the. Uh, I mean, I think what this film was actually most concerned with was trying to cram in as much, uh, as many crass cultural stereotypes as possible. Oh, it helped the oh, the, list the them all the first Can we that. please? Then no, we talk that. about uh, the Italian one now. <laughs> <laughs> Mamma mia, like, Luigi stole I mean, first of all, I would say I mean, it's not as it's not as big of a problem, but Mater himself is a crass cultural stereotype, and they're making the main character, so not off to a good start. But that's, that's an okay stereotype in America for some reason, like the dumb southern hick. I don't get yeah, that. so there's that, and then mm. they go to Japan, and of course their first experience in Japan is, oh, strange, kooky, quirky Japanese neon colour toilet thing with a cute little bunny rabbit cat thing because that's what everybody likes in Japan little little cats and bunny rabbits and oh it's not just a toilet it's an interactive toilet that does all the things you don't want it to and it plays you a commercial at the same time and everybody's speaking in loud Japanese and babbling and it's like this idea that the West has of Japanese where like where apparently Japanese people aren't normal people they're all completely like they, 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 they all live surrounded by like pink cupcakes and bright neon hoodies and like hair dye and bright neon advertising hoardings and stuff like that. And well, it's just... I think to to be fair, I will say this: of that toilet bit, that does something that nothing, no gag in the first film did, which is it takes a human premise and fits it for cars. That's not a car. Going to the toilet is not a car concept. It's like it's the car equivalent of that. It's like a service change, but yeah. it resembles a human activity, not vice versa. But and it's Andy so, it's was so forced. Yeah, but that one, I, at least, yeah, it wasn't funny and it outstayed its welcome hugely. But at the same time, I'm like, that at least makes sense in a parallel universe. But that's we what know this that, movie that's should where, we know yeah, that that's where that joke came in. There, we know there are separate service shops for cars that are also set up like service shops. So are they just like giant toilets for cars? <laughs> they should be. That's the thing Andy said, right? <laughs> he was absolutely right. He said if they are going with the the Grand Prix being an analogy, um, well, actually well, going, like being a Grand Prix, like bring, no yeah, basically okay. just being the Grand Prix. Should it not be more uh, reminiscent of a marathon? On foot, even in London at the end. Yeah, because in just, the London yeah. Marathon, and that would make that would be funny. Like you know, the pit uh, the pit stop could be the toilet break. Yeah, this would be better, but they're doing it like arse over tit, really, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, so there was the, sorry, just the the uh, the Italian stereotype. We had the American toothless simpleton one with uh, oh my, uh, I think wasabi is pistachio ice cream <laughs> I'm gonna eat so much of it and then make a total fool out of myself can I uh, exercise my right to be offended by the British one where like all the buildings like even though they were modern like the pub was called like ye old in as if we all Let's talk like in. verily yeah. Forsooth, the transport doth travel down Which yonder road. Which is how Michael Caine gets the witching hour is hence. Like, just, like, <laughs> just treats us like, you know, like Epcot. It's like we're, the whole film is set in Epcot, where it's like, sum up this country in three images. To be well, fair, yeah. they, made, they made London look nicer than it is. So, yeah. credit, credit there. <laughs> but then, like, you get the really dodgy Italian voices that are definitely done by American voice actors. You get... French accents that are definitely done. Oh my god! By though. 
That was Amazing. the worst French accent ever. Had I not, had that not been set in France, I would not have known that was a French. Bear in mind, this is the studio who only a few years earlier made Ratatouille. That shows you the lack of detail that went in there. I'm honestly surprised that the cars weren't wearing garlic around the necks. Yeah, oh my god, they missed that. They did the <laughs> fluffy hats for the beef eaters. They didn't do garlic. What are they, man? But again, think of, think of Ratatouille and the amount of care and atmosphere they put into it. And into how Paris. It's not offensive how it's a love and tribute to a society. Oh my god. I know that they're only in Paris for a few minutes, so I'm not expecting that. But come on. You can put a little bit more care into it than having people. Wander around with, you know, doing horny hard time voices. Come on. I think my heart just broke. Because, wait a minute, what year was this film? 2011. 2011. So, that, wait a minute, so four years, four years after... Yeah. The same company. Oh. And they have the goal oh, to put Gusto's in the film. Oh, just to make that point. Gusto's. Gusto's, yeah. Gusto's is in the film. Still John Lasseter. And I think that, that, that scene is an illustration of the difference between making a film with love and care and making... A film for money. That is just and like making a, cars too. Yes. Yeah. Well, this was example. a foregone conclusion. It wasn't an idea. I yeah. Think that could be said for it, but I mean, there's one bit about the Japan bit that I liked, and it was the fact that Weezer got a little cameo in the in the soundtrack. That was that rubbish song. Doing it. Well, it, it's a decent cover of the cars. I'll I'll That's give it that. Oh, song. this is scraping. It's it very out. sterile, but. It's a decent cover of it. It's alright. This is pure yeah. bias. You are a huge fan of Weezer. This yeah, is I like, just total I like bias. Weezer too, and I did. I quite <laughs> enjoyed it. I agree with what Rob said there. It was it was kind of funny to hear Rivers Cuomo's voice in a Pixar film, to be honest, because I, I forgot about that. But that was distracting us from what we were supposed to be watching. Yeah. Although this was in the era where Weezer were kind of like a joke band. Like it, like properly, like because this was this was just after Hurley. <laughs> they'd had that song for the um, yeah. Sorry, they uh, they just had that song. An album. I know, I know what it is. <laughs> I was a huge fan of Lost. I was aware of the her. guy from Lost. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they did represent for the USA national football team at the World Cup oh, in 2010. That's so apt to this. Yeah, and then and then they did and then they appeared on the Cars 2 soundtrack and then everybody kind of goes okay. And then they did the Weezer Snuggie. As well, the like the front-facing onesie dressing gown thing that you can get with like Weezer plastered on the front of it. So they they had stopped. They were in one of their "We're not giving a shit. We're just going to have a joke." Periods, which they're kind of in another one at the moment. Um, so to hear, but to be honest, to hear his voice and this was kind of like, oh, something I recognise, something I can grab onto and hold onto, and it's not going to go anywhere for two minutes. Do you know what? I've changed my decision about the best character. The best character I think is Rivers, Rivers Cuomo. Cuomo. <laughs> For more interest, just go and watch I mean, him performing. It's not diegetic music, so he doesn't count as a character. No, no, that's oh. true. The best character is certainly not Michael Caine's character, Finn McDrivey, whatever. Oh my called. God, what what is that name? Drivey McDrive face. It is Finn McRoto. It's Finn McMissile, that's it. Finn McMissile. And tell you, who you was can, you can hear spy being called McMissile? <laughs> you can hear the boredom in Michael Caine's voice. You can hear the money just being eaten up. Mm-hmm. Like when I hear his voice, I always think of Muppet Christmas Carol, which again was probably a bit of a cash grab for Michael Caine, but at least it's like a warm, comforting thing. And in this film, it's just like I am delivering my lines. Oh no, we must get to the car. Do you know there was part of me thinking <laughs> yeah. I, I, when I first heard his voice, I wasn't quite sure that it was him because I'm pretty sure that he's so bored that they've actually pitched him up. To make him sound less bored, yeah. like his voice sounded higher than usual. Well, they, yeah, they yeah they did pitch rivers up, but that tends to be a thing in films, doesn't it? Where they yeah. just they kind of knock the pitch up by one yeah. semitone. But I think the whole film might have been slightly pitched up. There, I think that I think I'm yeah. not sure what it is. 
You know what makes me realise that the creators of this film just didn't care what was happening? Is that everything in the plot is just so inconsistent. Yeah. Like, there's so many plot holes. Yeah. Give me an example. Like, when they're in Big Ben and they're tied up, and Big she, Bentley. She does a in Big Bentley. I'm sorry. <laughs> What's the name for She um, the English character does a Doctor Who reference, reverses the polarity of the clock, and turns yeah. on time like they do in Mary Poppins. Yeah. Um, and then um, spoilers for Mary Poppins returns. And, there, sorry. and then they go through all of that, only to then decide that they're then just going to drive out the situation by revving themselves both up really high and snapping the ropes. Mm. Why didn't they just do that in the first place? Yeah. Yeah, because the only in, only character anyone is going to remotely care about has already gone from the scene, and they just need to tie it up. Ironically, <laughs> but, but no, but yeah. come on, it, but they like in, in in film one minute earlier they resigned themselves to the death. death. Yeah, he says I didn't want him to realise we were going to die. Oh, um, that's slash fucking. Michael Kane oh, that's you don't bit. go from that to oh well, we can just release ourselves this way. You know how you were saying one of yeah. the things you really hated about Cars Ed was that they explained the joke first and then delivered the joke. <laughs> They do this in that scene oh, where, oh my God, where he so goes, bad. Where, where he goes, getting killed by a clock. I guess that brings a whole new meaning to the phrase "my time has come." <laughs> <laughs> and then, like so many bits of the film, someone says something that sounds awkward, and then someone else goes, "That's it." Yes. Time! Like, oh my god, it's like, if anything makes you think of time, it should be being inside Big Ben, but no. Big Ben, Big Ben, but no, you're tight of literally <laughs> killed by the cogs of the clock, killed by the cogs of the clock, and you only think of the concept of time when it appears in a bad joke. And there's the bit later on in the film as well where they explain how Mater figured it out, and, he, and he's like, I recognise those screws from that picture we saw earlier that none of the audience can remember, so we need to bring. Kids won't care. No, they flash by so fast they wouldn't care anyway. And like, I think this is. I'm not even sure, like, if kids would really be that into this because, aside from it just being very fast and actiony driving sequences, there's not a lot here for kids. I don't think, other than Mater, just kind of like you know, kind of bumbling about the place. But it's a strange one, because it kind of, it seems to appeal both to the very youngest possible audience, as in it's an explosion of speed and colour. Things just happening with lots of different colours that don't really mm. cling together. And everything happens really fast, like it does in most kids' TV programmes. But also, it then, it misses out, like, a whole generation and goes to the point where you've got to get your, your thinking caps on, because exposition is being delivered at, like, 200 miles an hour. And so mm. it's kind of, who is this for? Well, not to be fair, I mean, mo- it, it, it does seem quite clearly for kids because most kids' entertainment is made to be delivered at an incredibly fast pace. Not like this that. much exposition. I mean, this no, is that's that's too true. much that's happening. True. There's there, too there, much In the beginning, on. there is a lot of, oh, and Lightning McQueen will be happy having won the Piston Cup four times, and it's like... Mm. Show us in another way. And there's a lot of, because it's a sequel, there's a lot of um, the trope on TV tropes I love that's called As You Know, which is where characters tell each other things that both characters already know. And and it's the. As as you know, Lightning McQueen is back today, which is what we're on the way to, so you Mm. already know that. It's just like. There's other things as well where they don't quite do it, but there's that movie trope that people have picked up on where it's. um, You just don't get this, do you? Is like a way for the script to kind of lean into what's really going on. Yeah. Like when, when, a, when a script needs to explain what's happening, a character will go, 
you just don't get it, do you? And then, and then they'll explain the situation. Yeah. And but it doesn't deliver. It throws them in like left that. field. Yeah, know? there are so many bits like that where they just kind of say what is happening or what has happened or which yeah, is well, exactly what happens at the end where no one is suspecting anything else other than the German evil guy. Yeah. And then it turns out the German... Like, the only yeah, reason... just does a Get the only yeah. reason you would ever suspect that the German guy isn't the evil guy behind it all is because he is so obviously a villain. Like Andy said, he's so clearly a villain mm. because obviously villains are all German. Oh, um, of course. And, or or, or and, and English. Have, and have monocles. Mm. Uh, well, it can't be English because there's two two of the protagonists in this ring. Oh, yeah, they're doing the English so, spy exactly thing. Yeah. So. Could have been Russian. Could have been a Russian Basically, you know, he, the only reason you would think that the villain in this is not the villain is because he's using the evil voice the entire time. And it's just, <laughs> yes. <laughs> ah, I am using the evil voice. So then you think, oh, that, I, I, I know that actor called Thomas Kretschmann and that's his real voice. Oh. Really? He plays, um, he, he's, he's, well, he's in um, King Kong and he's in, not Civil War, he's in The Winter Soldier or something. And he's, oh, yeah. okay. Or in Age of Ultron. He's, he's, like, he's, he's got that kind of, Ha <laughs> Voice for real. Sort of. <laughs> well, clearly cast him full out. So other than the obviousness of the villain being a villain, making it seem like he might not actually be a villain, the film doesn't at all, like in its plot, lead into the idea that someone else is behind it all. It just, it turns out that this gem guy can't deactivate the bomb and suddenly it's like, oh, okay, so he isn't the villain after all. There's someone else behind all to of this. To be fair, at the beginning, I mean, it wasn't led to at all. But at the beginning, it be- it was made fairly obvious there was something wrong with Eddie Izzard's character. Because it said, it's like, ah, here's really quick exposition. This character was once the blah, 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 exploring the world. And then this happened, and we don't know why that was, and everything suddenly changed. No. Blah, 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 blah. And that was it. So basically, they, they, they had introduced the fact that there is a discrepancy here, but we don't care. And the audience doesn't care by the time it comes back round. So yeah, but because they painted him as so obviously the goodest good guy there ever is, you must. You then can't. You can't, Why would Mater, who's supposed to be an idiot, even question that? And there's so many things where, like as you say, logical leaps are made that we don't see. It's like again that Big Ben scene where she Big says, she says, <laughs> "Of course, a Big Bentley," where she says, "Of course, time," and then her eyes wide open and she does something, busies herself doing something, and they don't actually explain what it is. And for a second, I was like. What do you mean? Is she, like, questioning the nature of reality or something? What's she talking about? Time? Are they going to, like... I had no idea what was going on. And when they were... Again, when he figured out that it was, um... Axelrod, I was like, mm. how on earth have you come to this conclusion? Why didn't you mention this thing about using a different wing knot or something? Why have you not mentioned that? Mm. Have you just suddenly realised? Can you remember seeing that from, like, five days ago? Mm. It's just... It's ridiculous. I think the reason is because pot. Yeah, there's there's really there is one thing to be said for this film, and it's kind of like a backhanded compliment. It's finished. Well, it it does end. <laughs> it does end. But because of how much there was there to kind of point out and kind of criticise and complain about and be sort of annoyed by, it was somehow less boring than Cars. Oh, I don't know. No, I just for me. Completely. But I no, yeah. I think there was there was some quiet introspective moments in the original Cars film and there seemed to be some some semblance of a semblance of heart to Cars I didn't it didn't bore me but having said that but having said that I did when I was being hit in the face with several new characters in this one I missed the kind of contained nature 
of the mm. first film yeah. where it's eight or nine characters max talking to each other about the message of the first film is to slow down and enjoy life and all they have done in the second film is blitz us mm. yeah. with as many animation gimmicks fast car sequences races spy plots it, it's it's the opposite of what yeah. the first film was supposed to be about I mean, our, crit- our criticism of the first one... Um, well, no, there was a lot of criticisms that we made of the first one, and it's still not a perfect movie. But, you know, we, we criticised it. I think the main thing was that it was... There was not enough going on. There was not enough substance to it. There was not enough in the film for us to mm. talk yeah. about that we were getting bored of it. This is just so far the, the opposite way. extreme. It's too far the way. Yeah, it's complete opposite extreme, and it's even worse. It's kind of be careful what you wish for, isn't it? Because we were kind of... Think, oh come on! Something happened when we were watching the first one, and now with this one, it's like, oh my god, stop! Things stop happening. Let's mm-hmm. have a quiet talky scene. Because I really, I've really been thinking while we've been saying this. I can't think of any. I don't think there was a single one other than possibly the scene where Sally is trying to convince Lightning to invite Mater away with him. Mm-hmm. That is the only scene I can think of with any kind of like people sit and talk about their relationships. Um, other than that. Lightning McQueen and Mater having that argument where Lightning McQueen says, you made yeah, a mistake, you fucked up my race, get out of here. And then in the very next scene, Lightning McQueen goes, I told him to get out of here. He well, he got out of here. He got out of here. I didn't expect... I, I yeah, only, this yeah. Mater got out of here, but why? I only told him to get out of here. And it's like, Other than what? That, it's, it's, it's and that bit of the drama is just so bloody contrived because the argument comes out of nowhere. There's never any chance to explain why. I mean, Lightning McQueen is a dickhead, but he wouldn't be so unreasonable as to not give Mater some time to explain the situation. And can I just uh, can I just say about that? The big annoying thing about that is that there is at least a bit of consistency with a the first film and the start of this film with the problems that Lightning and Mater are having with each other. Uh, and it's like, you know, it kind of follows that when Mater is being introduced to Lightning's world, that Lightning might be a little bit embarrassed by him. That's That kind of makes sense. It's not necessarily fair, but I can see that being a thing. I don't know. If I was friends with Mater, I'd be embarrassed. No, I know, but it's kind of, you know, I can well. And that's another problem. In the first film, rusty cars and cars that don't work are kind of like the unsung heroes of the story. I mean, it never it never properly kind of like communicates that because obviously as we established by the end of the film, there's that rusty car who's still not allowed in the stadium. Mm. In this, the rusty cars that don't work properly the are villains. They've been flipped. Oh, they, they can't move at the times. And I think that's what it's saying. I don't like, So know. where its sympathies kind of lay mm-hmm. in, the fir- in the first film, I've been abandoned for this one. And... I think that as much as I obviously did not like Cars at all, I can't believe how they've somehow managed to betray it. They've somehow managed to betray its spirit. Oh, it's because they don't care. I mean, spirit is putting it strongly. Well, I know it, what it has mean. a message, doesn't it? Kind of. Well, didn't we think it was like, we weren't sure which one it was, but there's a couple from the first one that kind of just about mm. get carried through. But if I could just uh, finish the point about the Mater and Lightning... Thing, uh, the thing that they fall out about very quickly is not the same thing that they had a problem with in the first film or in the start of this one. Because at the start of the film, it was, you know, 
oh, Mater making a fool of himself and being really, uh, you know, ostentatious and doing things impulsively in this. What Lightning actually gets annoyed about is him, you know, talking while he's in the race, which is, you know, that's a single issue that's irrelevant. But it's also him like, oh, you're always making things up. No one believes you. No one takes you seriously. It's like, that wasn't the problem. I felt like what? at least what? three scenes were missing from the beginning. When mm-hmm. Lightning McQueen turned around to Mater and said that, that this is why I never invite you anywhere, mm-hmm. I felt like at least three scenes were missing from the beginning of the mm-hmm. film to show Lightning McQueen not inviting Mater to any of his races. Why didn't mm. we see him win the Piston Cups in a flashback? Mm. Mater not yeah. there. Well, yeah. just, to put it more simply, to be honest, I, I just don't ever, in either film, feel convinced that there is any real friendship there, that Lightning actually even considers Mater a friend. Because he's just always down on him. He doesn't seem to treat him as a friend at all. He's just always got something to have a go at him for. It's basically just a dickhead next to a gimmick, and that's why the... Yeah, and I just think, why think, think where is the actual bond here? You, like... I know I can't really remember the first film, so I know it was established there, but I can't really rem- remember how. In this film, as its own right, in its own right, I just cannot see how those two are even friends, because Mater clearly doesn't need him, because he's kind of a free spirit, and Lightning is just such a grouchy old fart. Yeah, his just, world, like, his world just nasty crushed, to Mater about to, everything. To crush Mater, really, his world. Yeah. They're not even compatible. And that scene where Mater kind of ruins Lightning McQueen's race or whatever... They do the whole uh, move to the outside line that Around Lightning the outside. McQueen hears. Around the outside. Yeah. <laughs> Eminem. Um, and it causes Lightning McQueen to move into the outside lane and then the really annoying semi-villain who turns up nice at the end of the film for some reason takes, takes over him. The Formula One car. That's yeah, the Formula One car. The Italian car. The race that's not Formula or One. Yeah. Lewis Hamilton, the not Formula One car, for some reason. And so they they do that to try and connect the two plots because they're clearly there. Well, are they aware that the two plots are so disparate that there's no real connection between them? I don't know. I don't feel like they have that line. Anything in this film? That line. Not for very long. That line brings both of those plots together in that moment Mm -mm. where you have the spy stuff, where Mater goes move to the outside, and then. Lightning McQueen in the race hears it moves to the outside and it affects the impact of the race so it's mm. like ooh plot B impacting plot A or whatever but it, if anything it just makes me realise how far apart the plots actually are because they never get tied together again never they, they never they, they seem to try to make them lock together and kind of affect each other and influence each other but what actually happens is just that you get constant reminders mm-hmm. that it's basically just two parallel lines with characters hopping between them mm. and what you've essentially got is the plot with the racing is your sequel and your plot with the spy stuff is your Saturday morning spin-off TV special mm. and d- does not a film make no not a good one so <laughs> I know I'm being relentlessly down on this film as well well it is shit. and the, the, the one upside that we kept saying is that, well, it looks really good. It does look mm. good. Um, I actually disagree. Not I wasn't that, it doesn't that interested look good. either. It, uh, it technically does look good. Like, obviously, yes. it's technically impressive. It's been crafted very well. But I don't care about that at all. It looks incredibly tacky and superficial. 
and nowhere near as rich as any other Pixar film. Absolutely. I mean, I was, and, the, and the way I would describe I it is that it looks very pretty, but it doesn't look beautiful. And yes. The, the Pixar films generally look like more artistic than this. So no, I don't give it a pass for that, and I don't like how it looks visually. At all. And I think it's hard to connect with something visually when the main characters are cars. Yes. Yeah, we said this in the first one. It's fundamental. We just can't get past that. They're just cars. That's all they are. And I think, sadly, I think a lot of the people making the film are kind of feeling that. I get the impression, like, right at the beginning of the film, one of the first, I put some notes, I thought, oh, this is going to be difficult. Uh, <laughs> I put, the water is lovely. Are the makers distracting themselves with tech challenges again? Like, all the reflections and the mist and the lighting mm. in the first one. And I think it's like, oh, they go to all these different countries to just have little gimmicks and little things to do and all of the reflections and all the lights and all the ads to do in Japan and things like that. And um, the problem is, though, whereas there was a degree of consistency, it worked in terms of the two very distinct worlds colliding in the first one, because they were both imagined in their own right. In this one, it was a blitzkrieg of different colours. And it was, as as you're saying, it becomes ugly and relentless, and it's just like a big advertising hoarding. Yes. And the thing is, I was making the point that... I recently, I hadn't thought about this with Pixar films and it being one of their sort of secret weapons usually, is that recently I was watching uh, the Disney CG animated film uh, Zootopia slash Zootropolis, depending on where mm-hmm. you come from. Now, I really like that film. I think it's a very good film. I think it's pretty... It's Shakira, isn't it? So you know it's a good film. It's, it's a good song, that. Um, but uh, the only issue with that is I thought this has something missing that a Pixar film would normally deliver, which is there is a coherent theme and tonal family to like the way the film looks in terms of colour, yeah. in terms of things like this, in terms of design style that binds most Pixar films yeah. together. And Zootopia uh, and Zootropolis, that, you know, it, it's technically nearly flawless, I think. But it is a mishmash of different things and ideas and effects and, and different styles and all that could work with the plot. I think it does make it feel less coherent than a normal Pixar film. And this film is like that, but worse. It feels like a mishmash. It feels like sometimes they were just doing it for the sake of seeing, can they do it? You know, mm-hmm. or, and it, it, it just it reflects the problems with the scripting and the lack of vision and, well, the lack of passion going into it that it feels so disconnected. The, the, all of the individual visual elements are disconnected. Uh, <laughs> completely agree. Like completely agree, yeah. it looks technically, like in terms of like you know computer animation, it, it technically looks really good. Mm. But when I think of Pixar films that have happened in the past, you know, I have themes and art styles and colors in particular that just yeah. spring to mind. Like Ratatouille reminds me of a warm orange glow or something yeah. like that. Up reminds me of like you know, multiple colours and blue skies and, like, green rainforests and lushness. Well, it's this, metal. It's it, like, in, yeah. in comparison, because, first of all, there isn't really an art style to this film. It's just completely flat. Everything's mm. just animated as... Um, almost as realistically as possible, except for the cars themselves, which are a little cartoonish. Mm. Mm. So it just comes across... It's clinical. It just looks really clinical. Clinical is a really good word because it's just soulless. There's no heart. To it. There's no, there's no mm. art. There's no art to the visuals in the same way that there's no finesse to the plot or anything that's going on. It's just none of it lends itself to each other because there's nothing in this film of substance. It comes up like a collage. Well, yeah. It's again fundamentally they're cars. 
Mm. What can you really do? They all are just mechanical things that are kind of identical. Well, I mean, that's you could argue... Cars, that's no, what cars you could, are. You could just as much argue that in um, Ratatouille, the main characters are all rats, and there's nothing interesting about them other than them being rats. Yeah, they They manage to animate them into fully-fledged characters that you can mm. have sympathy with. The issue here isn't that they are cars. The issue here is that they are bad characters. No, I agree. And to be, and to be honest, I think... yeah. All of this put together, I think, I know it sounds like I'm going in for the kill here, but it's just honestly how I feel, is that I think this is the kind of film that gives animation a bad name, mm-hmm. as, as like the, the type of film that are just tacky, colourful, cash-in colour shows for the kids. And, you know, that, that the adults would scoff at, yeah. because this is just nothing, it's nonsense, this film, it's just... <laughs> It's, just, it's literally just a, a money printer. Froth. If you, but if you look at something like Ratatouille or Up or, you know, or any of the Toy Story films as well, they are really good adverts for animation. Pixar in general is a really good advert for what you can achieve with a well-animated film with, that has more to it than just the imagery. The Oscars category for best animated picture it. is a great advert for animation yeah. this year, I think. And, mm. and, and this film just betrays all of that. And... If I was a Pixar employee going to the premiere of this and watching this, you have to wonder how the, how the, you know, the general kind of assembly line staff who do this job for the love of it, how they would have felt watching this. Because bloody hell, following, following up the, uh, the four film run of Ratatouille, Wally, Up and Toy Story 3, following that up with this, wow. Well, you're suggesting it was, it was like the Disney uh, mm. imperative there, but... Uh, um, yeah. I think we've railed on this film probably as much as... I mean, we could probably do some more, but... I'm sick to we all know it's bad. I know, I was about to I'm, say... I was bored it. of watching it, and now I'm just bored of talking about it. So <laughs> let's, I hope you're not bored of listening to us, though. No, it, it's well, always fun We don't blame you if you are. <laughs> let's move on to our scores. Andrew. Don't call me Andrew. Call me Andy. <laughs> I've never seen one like that before. <laughs> you know I hate being called Andrew. Andy. What are you going to rate this film? Um, sorry, there isn't a single thing in this film that I like. Zero. Whoa! <laughs> Not one thing. Even Michael Giacchino's score is just lazy and... Oh yeah, we didn't mention that. Rips off bonds and that's all there is to it. Yeah, he says he like, sounds bored. There's like one theme and it's rubbish. Zero. Sorry. I don't think this is the worst film in the world. Um, I'd imagine if you're a child and you're watching this, it would entertain you a little bit. Imagine if I was about four or five and I was watching this, would probably be entertained somewhat. Um, but it's bad. It's like it's by far Pixar's worst film that we've oh. seen so far. I haven't seen Cars three. Apparently, that's quite bad as well. Um, I'm not impressed. Don't plan to ever watch it again. I'm giving it a one. What, what's the one for? Is it just because it would entertain the kids? Is that just why? Yeah, it's you know. Things happen in it. <laughs> that is certainly true. Things happen yeah. in this film. It's an hour and 40 it, minutes to add to your day. In terms of te- technical prowess, it, it, it technically does um, good things in terms of animation, in, in terms of, you know, literal technical things. I'm not saying it looks great, but, you know, it has some good lighting in it. Um um, no, I, I admire your efforts to find the positive, so fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> if, if trying to find the, the positive point means I give it a one. Yeah. yeah, and I just I don't think it's bad enough to give it a zero. It's not like an affront to all things of humanity. No, there's some base competence going on, at know, least in the technical aspect. Exactly. It's, it's, but it's just 
boring and it's, it's just, just it's, it's everything I don't like in films it's everything oh, it is shit and it, especially in animation this is the polar opposite of what I look for in animation it just oh, mm. it just it, it offended me this film well, I think it wouldn't be offensive if it wasn't so disappointing if it was Dreamworks you'd just be like meh but this is coming on the on that run, after that run of films that so you've got to be like you, That's true, you yeah. are so much better than this yeah, you, you should have, have to fought make, yeah. for a better you have movie to make, you have to make an example of it when you know yeah. what they're capable yeah, of yeah if DreamWorks had made this film I probably would rate it like a 2 or a 3 based on the idea that well you know it's DreamWorks never expected anything special from it anyway especially after the masterpiece that was Shrek forever after um, but because <laughs> yeah, Shrek to be fair is proper talent first two Shreks are good first two Shreks are brilliant yeah the anyway. second one's great but because this is Pixar and we've just had a run of incredible films like Pixar in what I what I think is probably the best era that Pixar have ever had and then suddenly they just like drop off a cliff in, into this stinking turd of a movie. and I seem to remember as well that all the goodwill was completely lost yeah th- this it is wiped a out all of their progress like people were like after the original Cars came out they were like oh yeah it's not a great film but you know let's give Pixar another chance and we do and we give Pixar another chance and it turns out to be the best thing ever because he makes some incredible films then this film comes out and everyone's like oh well guess it's not really Pixar anymore guess they are capable of making really yeah. sh- shit tier yeah. films I think, I think their reputation was permanently bruised by this one do you know what helped it or should I say hindered their reputation was it having a very modern uh, visual image attached to it which is the first red rating on Rotten Tomatoes as in the yeah. first one that was in, yeah, in the yeah. red so, it was a green oh, tomato rotten, rotten yeah but um, I, I made that more confusing than need be. But no, I mean it's kind of the colour of the mark change. It got like thirty six or something, which was in it, the thirties. It, it, it still to this day is the only Pixar film to receive a rotten. Well, it's Cast Three. Cast Three was uh, generally positive. That was about sixty or something, wasn't it? Yeah, sixty. Which is not bad. I mean, that's not good either. That's, those films tend to be like damned with thing praise. But if you're in the th- if you're in like the thirties, we think what this film is. That's on par with things like. Batman vs Superman, or like Fantastic Beasts Two, or like, you know, there's a film that is worse than this. Batman vs Superman. The, well, yeah, that's worse than every film. But anyway, <laughs> um, well, I'm gonna go for a two. Okay, out that's of a high ball. <laughs> Maybe stretch to a two point five because for all that is wrong with it, I don't think I was ever offended by in it. pain like I was yeah. with the holiday special <laughs> like I was physically in pain and tired watching the holiday special and I gave that a one and I wasn't in pain or tired what I'm tired now but like I wasn't in pain watching it because there was quite a lot to point at and criticize and I don't know whether it's actually him that said it I could be misattributing a quote but Quentin Tarantino I think he said like never truly hate bad films because if anything they show you how not to make films yeah. yourself and there was there were bits of this I mean obviously you get an automatic one point for having a, a Weezer appearance in there oh that's what the two's <laughs> for okay um, oh we have to account for Weezer inflation in this yeah, yeah and it's competently put together on a visual level and yeah, it's bland and sterile, but that's I think like the worst thing you could probably throw at it. Like it's not offensive to the eyes. No, it's there's not far a film too that much... makes you hate cinema. It's just disappointing. No, there's like there's far too much going on. It's very obvious that they don't care. 
It's not a very good story. In fact, it's not a very good two stories. None of the voice actors give a shit. None of the characters are very good. But at the same time, I won't go to bed kind of like angry and yeah. glowing red like I did with the holidays. Well, yeah, that's that's I it's finished. Two, yeah, and it's <laughs> over, you know, and it's short on the okay, holiday special as done. well. That's true. I mean, it's difficult. So I'm going, I'm going 2.5. It's difficult oh. to care about a film that's quite obvious the makers didn't care about. It's also difficult to truly hate a film that you don't care about because mm. it's just, you know, it can't have any effects on you because it's just, you know, it's, but we care about Pixar, I guess you could say. Well, exactly. That's, what, so makes me, that's a... what makes me dislike the film is that yeah. it's, I care about Pixar and this is a Pixar film. Can I believe this has a Pixar label on it? In fact, what I'm just going to do is I'm just going to cover the Pixar so it just has Disney Cars 2, which makes me feel better already. Or you can I think, I think I've expressed myself quite wrong is that I don't like hate this film. I'm not going to go to bed angry about it. But for me, like, when you watch a film, like, Love and Hate are sort of the two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Like, I despise Batman versus Superman, but I talk about it quite a lot. Like, I remember it quite well watching it because I was transfixed by the spectacle of how unbelievably bad this film was. And so that wouldn't be a zero for me because I got a certain, you know, I was stimulated by it at least enough to care about it. This film, I don't think I will ever think about again. And that's the worst insult I can give to I've it. I've already forgotten most of this film. It's yeah. a blur. It, it, visually, it's a blur. It, it sort of... In, not in a good way. It's kind of... It just sort of smears past. It's like a series of, of, of adverts that kind of blurs away. But, I mean, I would say this. I mean, you, I think we're all very much in agreement that kind of is evidently not... That there's a lack of passion in this. And I think, you know, it feels like a committee-made film but a committee where no one actually agreed with each other about the d- direction of the film, but nobody cared enough about every individual element to fight for their corner. The meeting so was all, never resolved. Yeah, it ends up being the minutes of yeah. the meeting. It's doing it all. The only yeah. passion in this film is a passion to stereotype every single race that exists. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did, uh, you get, did you give it a score? Sorry, no, did I missing No. Actually, originally, I had... I, I, I'll be honest, I was trying to go in with an open mind, but very soon after the film started, I said, this, this is, the way this is going, it's a 1.5, which for me, I think, is appalling. I mean, that's really low. And I thought, I thought people would be like, whoa, it's not that bad. And then I realised I'm one of the higher markers. Yeah, 1.5, because I do think, I just kept thinking of the animators and the detail and all of the effects at this point, because at least they are the, they are the, the pinnacle of their game, and they kept trying to push themselves, like even the water at the beginning. They were given a lot of work to do. Well, I think they gave it to themselves, probably, because it's mm. like, we've got to make something out of this bare the bone. detail in that pistachio ice cream. Yeah, oh, good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that wasabi, man. That's what it's all about. But, uh... So, one point, so 1.5, 2.5, and 1, and a 0. So, 5 out of 40. Just over one out of ten that we gave it collectively. Oh God! How does this stand up against um, Attack of the Clones? Oh well, much I give, worse. Much worse. Yeah. I give that. Like, I think Attack of the Clones is a worse film, personally. I gave really? Attack of the Clones like a three though, and Rob gave it like a two or a three. So it's and being a, it, Attack of the Clones is well clear of it, but I can't remember how the holiday special did. 
I think there is a slight chance the holiday special oh, might have beaten this. The holiday special is lower. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. we get, we all gave that ones universally. But this only just scrapes above the holiday special, which is a I terrible would, insult. If I had to choose between watching the holiday special and watching this again, I would choose watching this. Oh, yeah, to be fair, that I think, yeah. yeah. Can I just say something? Yeah. I mean, it's, you're comparing it to the holiday special, which was made quickly, cheaply by people who didn't care, who made programmes that were quick. Cheap, but it didn't care it's about also this. Also, an unnecessary sequel to a beloved, well, not a beloved franchise, but you know. No, no, I'm saying in that, in the defence of that, this was made by an established company yeah. as a theatrical release, With not a straight to DVD release. Just a second, and the budget of this film, this waste of time, thirty million as well, twenty million. Oh no, oh, more than no, that. much no, higher by this point. Um, yeah, hundreds, I think hundred fifty million. Two hundred million dollars for that. Two hundred million dollars. Five hundred and sixty-two, and that's just at the cinema. That's not great, actually. For, no, for the, rule, the, rule, the rule of thumb is that you have to at least double your budget to make any profit. Which they do. Or they do. They more than double it. Think about DVD profits, and think about. Who gives a shit what the domestic box mm. office and is? And the amount of characters Toys. in this that they merch. Get merch. Merch yeah. is all about the merch. That's the only reason this film exists. I'm quite convinced. So I think that's a little bit more despicable than the slightly laughable, wrong-footed uh, holiday special. But then again, I didn't suffer that with you, so I might be completely off the mark. Oh, you'll never understand that. You'll never understand. Oh, maybe I will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so on that note, in fact, on those four notes. Five four notes. notes. Yeah. Yes. Um, we're done. This is it. Cars 2 is over with. We can go back to watching good films. Go back to our lives. Um, What comes after this, Rob? Brave! Okay, so... Brave! And we will be guestless for that episode. Yes, we will. Because nobody nobody likes to tell. Bye. Anyway, Ta-ra. Oh, thank, thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Look, I know we're all we're all shell shocked. Just let's let's just say good night and, and, and just get yeah. some reports. Let's just leave this. We'll see you again for Cars Three, by the way. Like you're, you're not have, done yet. Do you know what? Your sentence has not yet been served. No, I honestly think that is going to be better. Honest to God, I honestly think we've never seen it. I think.